0: Sandy Clough and Sean Drotar, weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports.
1: And good afternoon. Welcome on this Friday in the Mile High City. 21st day of April, 2023. Sandy Clough with Sean Rotar, who will be joining us shortly. This is the Sandy and Sean program on 981 FM, 107.5 HD3. And our caller text line is 303-831-1340. As always, we're streaming on milehighsports.com slash listen and the free Mile High Sports app. Our producers, as per usual, Danny Bailey and Andrew Detmer. George Carl will be joining us at 3.30 this afternoon. And we'll uh, preview tonight's Game 3 and we'll get some of George's impressions on the first week, pretty much the first full week of the NBA playoffs in 2023. Who are the teams that not only belong, but seem to be excelling? And I'll give you a hint that the Nuggets are definitely one of the top three teams out of the 16 that made the official NBA playoff field of eight in the West and eight in the East. Not a bad place to be after one week. I think it's sort of a toss-up between the Nuggets and the Boston Celtics on form, now both have the advantage of playing weaker opponents who have perhaps already achieved their goal by merely making the playoffs. The Celtics and the Nuggets, among other teams with championship aspirations, have a more exalted objectives in these playoffs and simply qualifying for them. So it's a little bit hard to measure, but given the ease with which both the Nuggets and the Celtics have won their first couple of playoff games, I'd have to put them one and two or two and one. Now, who would be that third team? A fully healthy Milwaukee Bucks team with Giannis onto the combo would probably qualify. The Phoenix Suns who have uh taken a 2-1 lead over the Clippers in their best-of-seven first-round series, have gotten extraordinary performances from Devin Booker in each of the last two games. In fact, Devin Booker and Kawhi Leonard have probably been the best players on the floor in this series so far, and the fact that Leonard did not play last night for the Clippers due to a knee ailment, made things perhaps a little bit easier uh, for the Suns in general and Devin Booker in particular as he went off for 45 points. But that's a subject for uh, a little bit later on in our program today. Sean Drotar properly adorned in – CSU? Or CU. CU spring game oh, tomorrow. I, that's right. Spring game tomorrow. That's right. Spring, that's right. And I think it is. Is, C, is CSU spring game uh, tomorrow? You it's know, I'm not. Completely overshadowed.
0: I'm not sure. I if mean, it the, is. The University if of Georgia gets overshadowed. The back-to-back defending champions get overshadowed by the CU Buffaloes tomorrow in their spring game. So, presumably, yeah. Tomorrow, I think, belongs yes. to the Buffs.
1: It belongs <laughs> to the Buffs on ESPN. <laughs> the Georgia Bulldogs, the two-time defending national champions, relegated to uh, ESPN2. But we have uh, more current events to uh, discuss. And uh, waiting for your arrival, I uh, said nothing about last (laughs) night's Game 2 of the uh, Stanley Cup first-round series between the Seattle Kraken and the Colorado Avalanche. uh, Except uh, that it was very revealing, and we may have seen, Sean, and I think you'll know what I'm talking about. We may have seen something that we don't often see in sports and certainly very rarely if ever in a playoff series a single play that might not have just turned the game around but may have turned the entire series around and I assume you know the play to which I am referring. Yeah, I mean, you
0: are talking about such such a fascinating pivot, and and I guess when we when we look at this series, it, it felt the whole time, and we'll get we'll get into that exact moment. But it, I I kind of wanted to broach this with you because after that play, after that moment for the Avs, it, it feels like it took them four periods of hockey to get their stride in the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. And the first four periods, they didn't look like themselves. The last two periods, they look like a team that's ready to defend the Stanley Cup again. And for whatever reason, it took them a while. Even uh, the the folks over at uh, AP wrote about it. And uh, their, their even statement is, after intermission, the Avalanche flipped a switch to swagger mode was their quote
1: well yeah and i think part of that was picking up on jared bednar's in-game interview Mm -hmm. uh, in which he explained that through the first four games of the series and certainly during the first period last night the avalanche seemed strangely cautious tentative could i even say and might he have even been implying nervous nervous uptight he definitely said they, they were was playing blind? tight. Yes. Uh, the old hockey phrase, squeezing the stick. Right. And all of a sudden, with the first goal they got, they seemed to find their level. But the point I'm making with the question I posed was whether you think the play that I was referring to and Done. we won't keep you in suspense. We'll what we'll the players yeah. May have taken them even to a higher level. And by higher level, I mean a championship contending level.
0: And, and please, I mean, set, set set the scene. You are, well, the, you are the poet here. So this, we're gonna no,
1: no, I'm I'm talking about Eberly finishing off a three on one. Now he didn't get full wood on the shot. Right. But maybe I should say full force. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah. He did, yeah. Uh, it's
1: a three-on-one in a four-on-four skating situation late in the second period. The score is tied at 2-2. And Alexander Georgiev uses what appears to be his strength, his quick leg movements. Yep, side to side. To stretch across, uh, making for what anything other than a world-class athlete would be a fairly painful maneuver, potentially painful uh, yes. maneuver. Yes. And getting a toe on a shot that while well, not well struck was still going in if he hadn't reacted so quickly. And this is the same Georgiev who did not appear to be reacting early in the game very well. In fact, I would say he was mostly at fault on the first two goals Seattle scored last night. Not entirely. Not entirely. But mostly. Now, the first goal, there were three mistakes made (laughs) by three guys who have been fairly reliable, either historically or this year. Uh, The second goal is a shorthanded goal, and I'm sorry, he's got to stop that. And uh, Brian Boucher, doing the uh, uh, analysis Mm -hmm. on ESPN last night, former goaltender, made the same point. And Brian Boucher is not a goaltender uh, critic or basher of because He played the position. And, and he was a fair uh, to decent yeah pretty pretty good professional goaltender sure all right uh, but that save i think brought the avalanche to a level in the third period that exceeded the one they had reached in the second period and made them come out of the game looking again like a team that we expected them to be here in the playoffs. Does this mean they've put away Seattle for good? Of course not. That would be ridiculous. I think they'll get a split in Seattle. I think this is going to be a long series, long in terms of length, six or seven games. A short series, of course, is a sweep or a gentleman's sweep. And that's not happening. Five games. I don't see that happening here. Either. Although, although I think the Avalanche know, and maybe Seattle knows now too, that if the Avs reach either level they found in the second or the one they seem to find in the third, that was even higher. Doesn't matter what Seattle does, the Avalanche are the better team.
0: The they, and Seattle
1: looked like the better team for four periods. And if you you switched right. uniforms, you'd say form full series. If they switch uniforms, you'd say the the the, the team wearing <laughs> if they switch uniforms, uh, Avalanche jerseys. as yeah, expected a better to team. The, the I mean, they said that they're deeper, they're skating, they're forechecking, their goaltending is better, and all that changed. I think with that one say. Which, of course, with you know, that one save. And, and the first goal certainly helped. And Boucher was very good in analyzing that, too. But I think that one save may have changed not only the Avalanche's attitude about the series, but Seattle's attitude about
0: the series. Right. Because that, that game then becomes 3-2, to Kraken going into the third. It changes everything. And keep in mind on that save, uh, the one in, in which you're referring, in the three-on-one. Uh, wasn't Kale McCarr or Devon Taves or, or even a defenseman at all. It was Miko Rantanen. Who
1: was having a rough night.
0: Who, and Rantanen, <laughs> uh, to his credit, sort of was, was put on wheels and essentially mm-hmm. just threw his six-foot-four right. frame on the mm-hmm. ice hoping did the to stop he anything. Oh, yeah. he, he did, he did but uh, Georgiev, that that, that save of, of lunging to the left, somehow being able to stop your momentum and spring back to the right yeah, was... Yes. Dare I say it, uh, Patrick Waugh-esque in his prime in those moments where you think you have a window and the window just uh, snaps uh, closed. I I agree. And
1: and again, it it was the the event. Potentially saved the game in the series. Right. That that it came at the end of the period. Um, We've talked about the ice enough, but with any ice surface, it's going to degrade during Mm. the course of the period. And, you know, maybe there wasn't uh, quite the precision the puck well, the pass like to like Everly was pitch flat, perfect. But, but the pass was great. <laughs> and it Bass came in was flat. So was Everly just didn't settle it. Flat, but he, he didn't quite settle it, and he didn't get uh, full force behind the shot. However, that that's going in if Georgiev reacts uh, as he had been. And I I, I don't believe I said this uh, earlier in the week, but it occurred to me on Friday when Georgiev got beaten a couple of times high glove side in Nashville now they still in the game but I said Seattle's gonna pick pick up on that and they'll be shooting throughout the series high glove side well they've gotten a few through high glove side on him uh, more than more than one yeah so far but in this case there was no way to shoot except the way Everly shot and that played into the strength of Georgiev which continues to be his footwork Quick legs,
0: lateral movement. And, you know the it's, fastest it's legs best. in the west. It is his best skill. The, the side to side, that lateral movement. When you're looking at young goaltenders and comparatively young, and that's what Georgiev is at 27. Most uh, you get the Shostakins of the world, and you think that that's normally how it happens. No, uh, goalies are a little bit like catchers in baseball. For the most part, they they need more time. They, they don't hit their prime until mm-hmm. a little bit later, until they've seen enough of the game in front of them. But it, it, it's a good point you made. Not only for that game, not only for the series, because yes, they go down three to two in this. Maybe they lose the first two games of the series at home, and, and it becomes difficult to win the series. But it's the confidence in in not only the Avs having Georgiev and Bednar rightly pointed out. He he was maybe a little more nice than you were, saying he was exceptional the whole night.
1: I oh, I, I by two thirds of. Them. Maybe, yeah. maybe well, even, Some of that's coach maybe speak. You got to talk it up three a Three quarters of that because he was not exceptional. The but first you know 10 who minutes. needed that? Georgiev.
0: Remember, this oh, is and, only absolutely. his second
1: start. And, and, and again, and he lost
0: the first one, and I don't think the goals were his fault in the first right. one, but then he was no. wobbly at the beginning of this one. Right. And then right. he gets it in his head. And, Wait a minute.
1: The Avs got booed off the ice at the end of the first period. And rightly right. so. Right? Okay. Right. Now, Georgiev himself wasn't being directly booed. But he went from giving up two shaky goals uh, with other players certainly culpable with respect to those first two goals. He he wasn't the only one, but he lets in those two. And all of a sudden, in the third period, and after he made that save late in the second, people are chanting his name, Georgie.
0: Georgie, All you need is that kind of save, I'll tell you what.
1: I mean, the whole atmosphere changed. a crowd got into the game when the Avs scored two goals in 48 seconds and tied the game 2-2. They got into the game. They became part of the game, in my view, when Georgiev made that particular save, and he made others in both the second and third periods mm-hmm. that were key stops. When, remember, the Avalanche scored fairly late in the third period, Anything that had happened to favor Seattle in the first, what, 12 minutes or mm-hmm. so of the third period, it could have been devastating. And maybe the avalanche get an overtime out of it, but overtime can be a flip of the coin sure. in the playoffs. It ain't three on three. There isn't as much advantage to the skilled team. It's the team that may be a little more psychologically free. And certainly with a one, nothing lead in the series Seattle going to overtime loosey goosey and one bad play would blow the game for the avalanche and send them to Seattle down 2-0. and in a position where Friday really would be, or I'm sorry, Saturday mm-hmm. would really be a must game for them. But I, I thought everything in the building changed. And I was doing uh, uh, the podcast with George Carl earlier today, our truth and basketball podcast. And coach Carl, again, will join us at three 30 and, George commented uh, on that during the podcast itself. We were talking about the psychology of the home court mm-hmm. uh, versus home ice in the playoffs, and my opinion is that home ice isn't as valuable in the playoffs as a hot goaltender. Right, I agree uh, so, completely uh, hot, with that. A yeah. hot goaltender, uh, which Grubauer it's seemed cool to be certainly in fast. Game One and the first well, period I mean, of Game Two, that, that 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 can that can negate the home ice. Uh, advantage and there isn't the equivalent of a goaltender necessarily uh in the in the nba uh, playoffs Uh, the one guy who's that important or one position that that is so overwhelmingly important but just just the way the game unfolded down to nothing coming back to win three to two uh, technically worth just one game but i think psychologically worth something more to the colorado Avalanche.
0: yeah the avs uh held the the Kraken to six shots in that final third period, uh, 18 saves overall in the second and third. But you're talking Mm. about uh, six in the third. And I think not only did the Avs simply play better, but I do think that save from Georgiev got a little bit in the Kraken's head, overpassing a little bit, looking for the perfect shot after that point, and it minimized the number of shots they were able to take. And that can be part of the equation with a goaltender, too. It's not only about the saves, but if they're in their head a little bit. And, and teams are trying to find the perfect shot instead of what you see a lot of the times in the playoffs. My argument in the playoffs has always been the best thing to do is instead of looking for the perfect shot, which the Avalanche at times in their history, uh, not this particular iteration of them for the most part, worry about being a little too fine and a little I, too perfect. Yeah,
1: I thought there was some of that in game one. There was in game one. There a little bit Over, too much too of much the fancy
0: Dan stuff. And you need to just throw it on net and, and get yourself in the crease, and playoff goals are not often scored. And great, Devontae's was beautiful for the yes. game winner. Beautiful t- kind and, of yeah, And so was Mishushkin's goal. Right. That was but the thing of beauty. The first goal goals. was not. Yeah.
1: And, and when Boucher commented on the first goal, he says, imagine that you're Grubauer, and you're stoning him, and everything you see, you're stopping. And you're up 2 nothing." And you're about, what, five, six minutes in, mm-hmm. the second period. And you're confident. You, you've got Nathan McKinnon from game one, at least, a little bit frustrated. you got Mikko Rantanen, even though he scored a goal in game one, a little bit frustrated. And all of a sudden, they take a shot from the point, and it gets deflected. Right. And he said, no goaltender. There's nothing you can do about and those. It feels more helpless in that situation. You go from being confident to wondering, you know, oh buzzards luck. Yeah, you start that, to think that I'm stopping everything I see and it's I like saw this shot and it got tipped. Yeah. And then 48 seconds later, before he has a chance mm-hmm. to really process the whole berries, thing, yeah. here's Nashushkin off a great feed from Rodriguez. I, that, that, to me, might've been the skating play of the night. That pass. I mean, the, 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 pass that set up the pass was nice but rodriguez's pass my goodness and nashushkin's coming off the bench he's flying and he gets behind the defense does a little dipsy do forehand to backhand flip over grubauer and all of a sudden in the space of 48 seconds two to nothing is two to two and it feels like the entire game it's two to two and all of a sudden it feels like 4-2. to It feels like the Avalanche are leading at that point by a score of 2-2. to Yeah.
0: Good uh, performance. It took them a while to get there, but the Avs look like the Avs again. How do you feel? Are you comfortable? Do you think this was a a fluke, or do you think the Avs are going to be themselves? And how about the changes made
1: by Coach Bednar last
0: night? We will talk about those, how they impact and what to look forward to when the next time rolls around. We'll do that, and of course, we'll take a look at the uh, Nuggets. We'll do all that next on Mile High Sports.
1: We've come
0: way together. Sandy Clough and Chantrotar Tar presented by Burnham Wall. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. I have to praise like Kendall Cardboard cutout, that. The, the <laughs> praiseworthy <laughs> effort goes to Jared Bednar for the line changes.
1: It was actually a pretty good line. Made last I even like the Kendall reference. Uh, my <laughs> friends and I, and I, you know, Jared Bednar is a, a wonderful person. I, I don't claim to know him that well, but I run across him every now and then and uh, uh, he, he's he's a very nice man he's a calming influence he knows the game uh, he, he doesn't panic but he knows when to speak how to speak and he has a real feel for the
0: game and his t- and his players because the changes made last night were designed to spark other players and and he's done this because we were talking about this during the break and we've talked about it over the last couple of weeks. With Cale McCarr being absent, Sam Gerard has been playing with Devon Taves. And when he's been playing with Taves, Sam Gerard's game, which actually Gerard this, this year, I think, has been one of those players he hasn't maybe quite gotten the credit he's deserved. He's actually had a pretty good year across the board. Uh, defensively, he's gotten better. He's actually been more physical, as physical as he can be, smaller guy. But with Taves, he's been a reasonably good knockoff, of Kale McCarr when asked to become so. And that is not meant as an insult. It is purely an understanding that McCarr is a generational defenseman. And Gerard has been able to step up with Taves and and play very well. Part of that goes to Bednar, who realized, okay, these skill sets may fit well enough. These guys may fit well enough. Uh, Pairing these two allows Gerard to use his speed to freelance without necessarily running a huge risk of a defensive failure because Taves is a smart enough veteran. He'll position himself. He'll understand how to play in concert with him to to at least offset the potential risk of a move by Girard that ends up going the other way. The line changes last night were basically that writ large across a couple of different lines, and the, the folks that were sparked by it were the ones you wanted. Was it great for McKinnon and Rantanen? Well, maybe not. But that wasn't necessarily the point. The point was this team had been getting everything from McKinnon and Randon and then desperately needed some secondary scoring. And then, sure enough, that is exactly what they got, including, by the way, with Taves, of course, the game winner. But it, it was—we were talking after game one about how Terry Lekkinen and Valeria Nichushkin had, had had pretty bad games by well, their standards. By their standards, we're more or less invisible and not. involved in the outcome of the game in any significant fashion. Uh, Not so in this one, and in large part because moving the guys around then got them basically a little bit sparked up. And the the returns were great. Obviously, those quick two back-to-back goals uh, ended up evening things up and set the stage for the winner along with Gurgev's save. But Bednar has, it seems like since that fateful Vegas series where he, he, he maybe pulled the trigger too early on switching the lines up, in a move that may have felt a little panicky.
1: And, uh, again, Landeskog was healthy. Landeskog right. was healthy back then. <laughs> right, Right, and he was paired with, obviously, McKinnon and, and Rantanen, and it's two games apiece in that Las Vegas series, and all of a sudden they're coming back for game five. Now, they had lost the two previous games, and mm-hmm. they played very badly in both. They almost stole the third on a great performance by Grubauer, but Las Vegas scored late and managed to pull the game out. But
0: since then, he but has the fourth, made
1: moves. They were bad, and he he did make. I thought uh, a move. Some He, he his made. Uh, he didn't need to make. Uh, the Avalanche still should have won Game Five, and uh, of course, they were routed uh, in Game Six. But I, I at the time, I, I I didn't think it was the right move. It, this is a different circumstance. You don't have Landeskog, first of all, and they've had so many injuries that their they're top six guys are virtually interchangeable. Anyway, they've, they've all played on the top line at one time or yes. another, and they've all played in the second line at one time or another. So it's not as if they've never played with one another. And so he makes these changes, and the, the real impetus behind making the changes was to get the two, and I speak nominally here, left wings. I mean, there's so much crisscrossing in the modern game mm-hmm. now, it's, it's hard to say. Yeah, But, uh, Lekkanen was great, 19 minutes, 15 seconds, and, and got the first goal on the tip end, which was artful, of uh, arturi Lekkanen special. We coined the phrase last year, why worry when you've got Arturi? They were <laughs> plenty <laughs> worried last night yes. before he had that uh, tip in And, of course, uh, on, on the uh, second line, you had uh, uh, Nishushkin uh, scoring uh, 48 seconds after Lekkanen and I thought Confer was solid. Confer played 21 minutes 40 seconds last night. Uh, you know, McKinnon played more, but I'm looking at all the forwards. Nobody was close to 21:40 uh, that Confer played, save for McKinnon, who played 22:57. And uh, I, I thought on defense they really rode as they rode the first two lines. Uh, the top four on defense: uh, Byram 22:45, McCarr 24:38. Taves twenty two o five, Gerard twenty one fifty six, uh, Eric Johnson I I think was around sixteen minutes, and uh, Josh Manson twelve eleven, and he's still rusty. He's still fighting things, a little bit, and and that's what I found fascinating. And, and to say it in the middle of the game, as Bednar did, uh, listen, we're 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 tight, mm-hmm. we're tight. Uh, there's you know. There's some nerves to play here. And you think, oh, wow. Thing to say about the defending Stanley Cup champions, but I I think they were. And, and it, you know, the Rantanen goal was nice enough the other night, but that's all they got, and they didn't have that many great chances, and the chances they did have, they weren't finishing. And last night, they created traffic in front of Grubauer, and you get a deflected goal, and then you get a bang-bang play where Nashushkin's coming in uh, with speed and that had no chance. Mm-hmm. No chance on that on that second goal. Uh, but you look for in a plus two, Rodriguez a plus three. And you know, you only have three stars to give out at the end of the game and first star has to be Taves, obviously, with a game winning goal. second, third stars Nashushkin and Lekanen, or Lekanen and Neshushkin but yeah, didn't pick pick order didn't matter. Pick which but you if if there had been four stars the game, I, I would have given Rodriguez the fourth star. He w- he was magnificent. And as you pointed and, out, and, it's one and, of and the, Gerard, you know, Gerard has been one of the I few guys Gerard that has good in both critiques. these games. Right. I know Gerard has his critics. He's plus two last night. McCarr mm-hmm. was minus one. Taze was plus one. But on the other side, here's what I look for: Eberly a minus two. And it would have been minus one. But not
0: <laughs> yes, Georgi had made that magnificent yeah, save. Yeah. Magnificent I mean. save. Obviously. And uh, you know, key well, Mark, guys
1: uh like Beneers, uh, mm-hmm. the kid, um uh, minus one, McCann minus one, Schwartz minus one, Wenberg minus one, uh Dunn, outstanding defenseman, minus one, Larson minus one. Uh, you know, they're they're key guys got outplayed last night. Seattle's key guys got outplayed last night by the Avalanche, and that was certainly not the case in game one. And So, yes, Seattle will be pleased to go home and play their first playoff game ever in Seattle. First playoff game ever played in Seattle. But I think
0: instead of that being, the the assumption is that that's going to be beneficial for the Kraken. I'm not sure it is because, as we've talked about, the home home ice is not really all that impactful in hockey, and it's certainly not with the Avs. But when you're talking about the first ever playoff game in Seattle, there's going to be pressure on the Kraken, who have already shown they can beat the Avalanche, to really come out and, and play amazing hockey in front of the crowd, uh, to, to my mind, in game three, all of the pressure is going to be on Seattle. They they'd probably, if you were to ask them, that they're excited to be at home. Yes, their coaches, they might say, eh, we wouldn't mind playing this at a neutral site or
1: on the road because the pressure for these guys right. to perform in front of that crowd is going to be intense. There there are coaches, I've talked to them, in the National Hockey League, who say, you know, even in the playoffs, sometimes they just as soon playing the road. Mm-hmm. and and the avalanche last year went nine and one in the Stanley Cup playoffs on the road they lost three games at home your focus sometimes is better road. you know that's uh, so i think the avs are confident going into uh, seattle now totally now no, no. seattle get a lift from its crowd okay well, it's, but it, but it, it also it puts a little pressure on it them does. and if the avalanche get on top of seattle the way seattle got on top of the avalanche in games 1 and 2 I think they can win at least one and maybe even two uh, in Seattle and effectively uh, wrap up this series. Now, you know, we saw responses in the in the other games last night, although the Rangers, again, just uh, shattered the Devils 5-1 to one in New Jersey. I say going into that series there's not going to be any home ice advantage. Well, it may not matter for the Devils. They've lost two at home, and that's never good. Uh, now they have to go to Madison Square Garden. And the Rangers are a seasoned playoff team, and they, they made big deals around the deadline. Remember Tarasenko and mm-hmm. uh, Patrick Kane? and I think Tarasenko may be having the the biggest effect on them. And, you know, this is a team that you know, was playing for last year, the position, weren't they, in the Stanley Cup final? Mm-hmm. So, you know, they were a good team before, and they yep. still got Shusterkin. Uh, good for Toronto to come back last night. I really thought, psychologically speaking, they they looked like a broken team to me in, in game one. But you know what? They lost Bunning. He got himself suspended for three games. And nothing against Bunning, but uh, he evoked memories of Nazem Kadri in Toronto with the, the cheap shot he took. The other night that got him the three-game suspension, and last night they looked like they were a much more relaxed team without him. Uh, the guy who took his place played great on the top line with Marner and Matthews. Marner and Matthews were outstanding last night. They just said, "I think enough is enough. This is ridiculous. We've been in the playoffs six years in a row. We lost the first round every time. We lose Game One here the other night. This is, this is silly. We get blown out in our own building in Game One. This is silly." And they came out and they made Vasilevsky look like a, a college hockey goaltender on a bad team. That's it. that's how bad they made him look. So bad to the point where John Cooper said, you're darn right I considered pulling him. But he came over and said no. And I owe it to him to go by what, whatever he wants to do. Uh, it does suffice Seems to like say, earned- back in the day uh, – Mario Tremblay did not go to Patrick Waugh and say, you want to come out?
0: He did not. It uh, worked,
1: worked out for the, in the as, that's right. That's right. But out. even look at Vegas and Winnipeg last night. Now, uh, you know, I don't think Winnipeg played a bad game, but Vegas was, was juiced last night. And even when it was tight, it looked like Vegas had control of its game and the game uh, last night. So um, with the exception of New Jersey, the, Three other teams who won last night all bounce back uh, at home after losing game one.
0: So for the the avalanche, you know, all systems go to uh, presumably to Seattle and then get things back on track, get a two-to-one lead in the series. Obviously, you want to be able to uh, have a little fun with that this weekend. And, of course, baseball's back, too, by the way. Good performance uh, out, out in the uh, – for the you-know-who's-in-purple. And the push for postseason – is on for <laughs> hockey and hoops. Make it all count this spring with Superbook Sports. You, you can bring
1: yourself to name
0: them? It's <laughs> <is> the best <laughs> wagering app around with a direct line to experienced bookmakers behind the counter in Las Vegas. Plus, get a $250 bonus when you sign up, deposit, and wager in the same day. So don't let spring pass you by, even though it doesn't feel like spring right now. It will soon enough without winning money from Superbook Sports. So visit Superbook.com. In terms and conditions, gambling problem, call one 800 522 4,700. You all know which I speak. Nice game. Whatever. Get back to me when you're, you know, winning more. We'll take a look at the Denver Nuggets. We'll do that next on My Life Sports. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. Well, if you are looking for a place to catch the Nuggets game tonight, by the way, we have another Denver Stiffs night out uh, down tonight. It's going to be down at Haters and Tap 14 up at 1920 Blake Street uh, in Lodo. We'll have prizes to give away, a chance to watch the game with some other fans. Have a great time. Sandy, you and I Planning to be there. Some of the yes. other uh, folks from from Milo Sports should be there. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, Tip offs supposed to be at seven thirty roughly. We'll be there around mm-hmm. seven. So you know, stop in, say hi. We had a fun time over at the uh, the Sportsbook Bar and Grill in Highlands Ranch for a uh, game two, and looking forward to this one uh, in game three tonight over at uh, Haters and Tap fourteen right on Blake. So if you've you've been by the uh, Rockies game, you, you know right where they are. Obviously, it's just a uh, the proverbial hop, skip, and a jump. So come come on out and and say hi. Watch the game. It'll be uh, a lot of fun, and I suspect—don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves—that you might see another win because I look—I look at this series thus far, Sandy, and and you have been—and I guess this is a sort of damning point, faint praise—you have been somewhat more complimentary of the idea that the Timberwolves could take one of these games at home.
1: Yeah, I, I, I actually am. think they will. I—I uh, I mean. A lot of it has to do with the fact that I, I just don't pick sweeps. I, I, I it's think hard they, they, to well, do What that. they call them now, if, if it's a five-game series, they call it gentlemen's sweep. What do they do now if it's in a you, women's you game? You kind of win, you know, mm. you win one game, but you, it doesn't really change the tenor of the series very much. And, and I, I don't think you have to go up 3-0 to feel secure in a series. I, no, I, I, no, I don't. No, I, I, th- I think, you know, if they come out tonight, let me put it this way: if Minnesota does not come out with its best effort tonight, and you, you know you get it from Edwards, yes, and you, you certainly get it from Conley, who's a class act. But you know, I'm talking. Yeah, about what do you get about Gobert? The two towns, big guys, right? All right. Maybe, maybe they rouse themselves and play a decent all around game, and they win tonight. Let me put it this way, though. If the Nuggets win tonight, they will sweep. They will sweep. Because, uh, as <laughs> I was talking to George on our podcast earlier, I, I said, they, they won't even show up for game four. And he says, well, I, I think they'll show up, but they'll be looking for uh, yeah. their cars, it's, their it's, keys, yeah. to their cars it's in the parking lot. One, by, two, yeah. by the middle of the third quarter, they'll be looking for the
0: keys. One, two, three Cancun stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's going to be what they're, they're headed to do. And I, I just... We will find out. I think we'll find out early in this. uh, The Nuggets in the in the the regular season, nineteen to twenty-two away. Uh, Timberwolves only twenty-two and nineteen at home. These two teams split the regular season series, but uh, in very very different circumstances, depending on uh, the games that they played. This is one instance.
1: I haven't even mentioned the season series during uh, this particular playoff round because the teams were so different at various stages of the season when they played head to head. There's nothing to glean. Except that uh, I felt for weeks, this was the best possible matchup for the Nuggets in the
0: first mm-hmm. round. Out yep. of all the and possibilities, you have been New Orleans, on Oklahoma City, Lakers, sure
1: yeah, even Dallas, uh, maybe even Utah. I, I thought this is the best matchup that the Nuggets could have for the first round. The downside is that they get the four or five winner in the second round, and you know. <laughs> What does this say about load management? No one has load managed Kawhi Leonard more carefully than the LA Clippers. Not the San Antonio Spurs, not the Toronto Raptors, who, by the way, fired their coach, Nick Nurse. today. Mm -hmm. No one has load managed Leonard with more care. And, you know, they gradually toward the end of the year started to build up his minutes little by little by little and he played quite a bit in the first two games and now his knee's gone bad again and uh, and they say as they always do well it's not related to the acl surgery he had Mm -hmm. well Um, everything's sort of related everything's sort of related (laughs) and uh, you know it's the reason he was load managed but when the playoffs come around, you can't load manage anymore. You really can't. And As much he plays you, two games, to... and he's great in both games. And last night he doesn't play, and I submit that if he doesn't play in Game Four, they have no chance. They had the wounded tiger theory going for them last night. Uh, Norman Powell played like Kawhi Leonard yeah, often plays off forty two. He, he for Norman was Powell. he was just great.
0: But I mean, and and uh, Westbrook was great. Load management. Did they win that game if Kawhi Leonard plays? Do you feel that they win that game?
1: I don't know if they win it, but I'll tell you what, Booker probably doesn't go for 45 because Booker got anything he wanted last night. And they were playing a small lineup, which I thought for Tyron Lue was the right move in the fourth quarter. They went really, really small in the fourth quarter. And they, they scored well. They kept the game close, although it was a, kind of an accordion game that went between maybe 4-5 and 11-12 points. And it get close, but you never had the feeling that the Clippers could win it, but they did keep it close and they were respectable. And they got some good individual performances, uh, from the aforementioned Para of Powell and Westbrook. And I also thought, uh, a man and bones Highland at a 20 point night, they, they got some contributions from their bench. And I thought it was a well-managed game by Lou. Uh, but you know, anytime Booker wanted to score, he could score. And, uh, Durant had 28, a very quiet 28, and I I thought the small lineups bothered Durant a little bit. They didn't bother Booker at all. Uh, no. And uh, Booker's one of those guys who I think is somewhere between a star and a superstar. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think, think maybe fair. he's a little more than a star, but he's not quite a superstar. You have to be one of uh, be a, the winner of a championship, at least one, to be put in that. Superstar category, in in my view. Okay. Now, now you know, listen, there there are always exceptions. Stockton, Malone, Charles Barkley. Nicole, uh, is Nikola Jokic a superstar? You uh, mean Nikola Jokic, right? Now certainly, but but I, I think it, with Booker, Booker have. with right. Booker, um, you know, we've seen some flameouts that he had quite a bit to do with. Uh, we saw it against Milwaukee in the finals, and then we saw it against Dallas last year in an early round of the playoffs. And Luka Doncic kind of took over that series. And he was better than Booker was, especially in Game 7. In Phoenix, where they, they embarrassed the Suns, the Mavericks. did.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, yes, it, it, Booker would not mind at all seeing a small lineup, again, for large portions of the game in Game 4. He, he would not mind that. Uh, at all. And uh, Phoenix, to me, has looked pretty good, but not as good as I thought they would look. And, you know, if Leonard were healthy, I think that'd be a 6-7 game series.
0: Yeah, and yeah. if you're the Nuggets... And if it wins
1: 7, the Clippers could win it. You but don't want to get ahead of things,
0: look. but that's, that's what would have to, uh, obviously, were these results, it, the lead in both of these series to hold up, that's who the Nuggets would get next. So you'd certainly like have that series go as long as possible, but it, it is what it is. The Nuggets would like to get this done as quickly as possible. Of course, uh, they are uh, favored by two by the, the folks out in Vegas. I thought
1: it'd be more. Didn't you? I thought it'd be five, five and a half.
0: I, I think they just, the, the last, two, the last game, well, I think
1: maybe, maybe i kind of think Minnesota might win. So maybe they're.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's where they, it is. They, you know, they're, they're, the they're considering public
1: thinks the same thing
0: that, that this is going to be the best effort. Minnesota yes. gives. Yes. And so I yes. think you go that way. But if you go to the, uh, the ESPN analytics of it, the odds that the Nuggets win is seventy two point eight.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so they, what that means is when the game begins. Also, by the way, winning by two, uh, whatever it doesn't matter. They does have a seventy three percent chance of, of winning the game.
0: Right, seventy three percent. And I think that's, that's right. And that's about right. I think that's right. That's I think right. this is. Uh, I just think the Timberwolves are a bad fit here. I think there is too much bad blood on that team. I do not. I really don't like, and I, I, I really sort of hes- hesitate criticizing it because by all respects a, a really great guy. He's had a really rough run since the pandemic. But Carl Anthony Towns' effort level has been abysmal well, on the floor. I, That's the I point. mean, it just has been.
1: And, and he's quirky, and I, I, I understand they are great players who are quirky, but I, I found this to be true in sports uh, that flaky guys can be helpful to a team but they can't lead a team. They can't lead a team. Not usually. Not, not, not
0: usually. In fact, actually, they usually need a stronger leader. You think of the, uh, I mean, the, the, the ultimate serious. guy is your yeah. Dennis Rodman, of course, who when he was on a team yeah. with good, solid leadership right. can oh, be yes. an extraordinary asset. Right. And when he was right. not, yeah. it, it can blow the team. To well,
1: it, it, was, it was not in San Antonio because David Robinson just wasn't that kind of personality. And Rodman kind of came in there and took over the move. Right, even well, though they had talent, and then uh, they were a good team. Beat, I mean, beat the Nuggets one year in the playoffs. Not, that yeah, there was a huge achievement back in the mid nineties. Right, but yeah, I mean, he's he's a, he's a good example of that. Although I I I think if you could call Draymond Green a quirky personality, I think you probably could. In some ways, in some ways, now they didn't need him last night, but in some ways. He is the leader of that team, and that's why they put up with some of the nonsense. I actually think
0: he—I don't even think it's in some ways. I think he's clearly the leader of the team. I think mm-hmm. he has been for a while. I mean, he—he's the guy that keeps every, that sort of uh, you know, keeps the, the foot on the pedal there. Uh, over, but that's State. why. I Although I did like, I did him. like, I, I did like, him, like I Steph Curry's form. quote. Mm-hmm. You know, they said Draymond is a history. So do we. Yeah.
1: Ooh. Well, it's a solid flex. No, I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, but the previous history when he got suspended was they blew a 3-1 lead in the finals. Also true. And that kept them from winning four straight, as I recall, because they ended up with three out of four. But that was the year they won 73 games, and they're up 3-1 against Cleveland in the finals, and he gets himself suspended for game five. They blow the game at home. He was watching from the uh, Oakland Athletics facility, if you want to call it that. <laughs> uh, with with uh, with the, the general manager, Bob Myers, I think, that, mm-hmm. that particular night. Last night, reportedly, he was at home watching.
0: He the, was at home
1: watching uh, the game. But, uh, you know, what happened last night, it, and this is part of the psychology of the home court, uh, you had Looney basically say, I'll do what I do, and I'll also make up for Draymond's absence. Mm-hmm. Here's what I mean. Between Looney and Green, 20 rebounds is usually a pretty good night, right? Between the two of them, right? Yeah, sure. Okay. Okay, yeah. Our Looney Pat. had 20 rebounds by himself last night. Pretty good game if between Looney and Green, there are nine assists, right? hmm He had nine assists by his lonesome he was good. last night. He was good. He only turned the ball over twice. Draymond's good for three or four turnovers a game. So, just saying on the home floor, they didn't miss him against...
0: Well, they don't seem to miss anyone on the home floor. Team. They're 33-8. Well, they just right. beat everybody they at home. They look like
1: the champions that they, in fact, are this year on their home court. Somehow on the road, they morph into something else. But, you know, listen, Curry was the star last night 36 Six and three with two steals, a block, only one turnover in 37 minutes, a plus 24. He was great. But I thought Looney was the key guy in the game because he just took care of the playmaking that Green usually handles and the rebound. And didn't need which the Which Green usually handled. And, and they didn't need him to score. Yeah. They had you know, Wiggins scored 20, Curry scored 36, Poole at 16, Moody had 13 coming off the bench. They didn't need the points, but they were excellent defensively, and they kept the tempo, which wasn't exactly slow, but more to their liking as opposed to the pell-mell run at all costs and almost a Paul Westhead type of attack that uh, Sacramento uh, runs. But I'll tell you what, for Sacramento, uh, you you lose by 17 points. You're never really in the game. But you've got a two-game lead, and I'll tell you what, this is De'Aaron Fox, oh, he's, yeah. he's,
0: he's a player. He's, he's been good he for a bit. He is a
1: player. He isn't one of those guys who's great at home and on the road, maybe not as effective. Mm-hmm. He's great in any setting. Now, some of their bench guys, like Monk, that they, they're fine at home and on the road, they're liabilities. Monk was terrible last night. Lyles is bad. Uh, Mitchell was not very good either. Mm-hmm. So they had no bench uh, last night, and that— was more damaging to Sacramento than having no green was for Golden State?
0: Well, a week from today, the Denver Broncos should have a draft pick. Of course, the draft starts a week from yesterday, but they're not going to be involved in that one. A week from today, however,
1: they might have a pick. They'll they'll be like us on Thursday. They'll be just watching we're just watching
0: uh sean payton and george payton had a press conference yesterday a couple interesting snippets from that what would it mean what what does it kind of look like now with their a week out we'll hear from uh, the broncos new head coach next on my life sports